Chapter 3. Edward Comes Back Ten years after this joyous evening of dancing and feasting at Godwin's Hall in Wessex, the king died. The year was 1035 and England mourned. The people wondered when they would have such a competent and wise king again. Canute had many sons and left the country to two of them. Harthur Canute, his eldest son with Emma, was to be the king of Wessex, whereas his son Hereford was to rule the rest of the country. It began as a cordial arrangement between the half-brothers, who seemed destined to be in competition with each other the whole of their lives. But then Harthur Canute was called to rule Denmark, and his portion of England was left to Emma to control. As the years went by, Harthur Canute seemed to give up his interest in England for a more adventurous life in Europe, and Emma became increasingly isolated. She felt the familiar feeling that her power was crumbling away as Hereford's allies became stronger. He amassed a small army, he was rich enough to get coins printed with his face on, and even worse, he had become good hunting partners with Godwin, the Earl of Wessex. Emma knew that man well, and it seemed to her that their friendship in the old days had been nothing but Godwin straining for even more power than he'd had. In court, she often saw Hereford and Godwin making the same sneaky remarks about the Earl of East Anglia as she had used to do. With Harthur Canute abroad, and seemingly never coming back, her future in this New England, with Canute gone, was looking uncertain. Part 1. Alfred It was 1036, just one year after the death of precious King Canute. Emma was in her quarters, by her bedside, writing an urgent letter addressed to Normandy. Her fear for her position had grown by the day, and now it was time to take action. She called on her English sons in Normandy, the children of Ethelred, the heirs to the English throne, to return and claim back their lands from this Hereford and feckless Harthur Canute. Just a few short months later, an Alfred replied. He set sail to England with 50 ships ready to take back the land that was stolen from his father. Edward, his brother, had decided to stay in Normandy. He was cautious and less willing to follow his mother's direct orders. Alfred set sail for Dover in the autumn of 1036 and landed on the shores of England in a strong wind and bitter rain. Nevertheless, he felt he was home for the first time in over 20 years and stood for a second on the shore, his feet still in the freezing seawater, and looked back towards Normandy, thinking of his father. When all the boats had been pulled ashore, Alfred climbed the thickets of grass and rocks to a point where he could see the land laid out before him. He was a well-built man, but still found himself shivering in the relentless rain and wind. He remembered the land well from when he was a young man and planned a swift trip to London, there to meet with his mother, Emma, before reconciling the throne with this Hereford. But as he turned back from his troops, still disembarking from the ships, he saw a man on horseback approaching where he stood. Alfred stared. The man appeared to be alone and unarmed other than a sword by his side. Godwin had never met Alfred, but recognised him at once from his likeness to Emma. Something about the curious way his face shifted from fear to curiosity, with the raise of an eyebrow, reminded him strongly of the old queen in her more powerful days. Alfred did not back away as Godwin approached through the rain, but stood and waited for Godwin to explain. Declaring himself as the Earl of Wessex and a friend of Emma's, Godwin was soon talking at length to Alfred about his purpose here in England. Godwin, who had always been adept at persuasion, convinced Alfred to come out of the cold into a nearby inn, which Godwin knew would provide them with both some shelter and food. Alfred couldn't resist. 
and was soon sat in the pub, recovering from the long sea crossing and taking pause before moving on to England, as was his plan. Godwin was a fascinating man and clearly knew England well. As the men drank more and more wine, Alfred began to think that Godwin would make a strong friend and ally if Alfred was to take the country back. Godwin knew Herfoot well, knew his weaknesses, and, as the Earl of Wessex, could support with troops of his own. Soon the men were making raucous toasts. To Emma! To England! To the English line and a new King Alfred, roared Godwin, as he finished his glass. Soon after, Alfred had taken lodgings in the inn. Collapsing into bed, he reflected that he could always march to London tomorrow instead. As soon as Alfred awoke, he knew that something was wrong. He could hear shouting and was pulled roughly out of his bed by two men he didn't recognise. They chained his hands together and threw him on the back of a horse. He was forced to ride for hours, supported by one of the men on a fast horse through the morning. Alfred soon gave up shouting for Godwin. He was nowhere to be seen. Later that day, the men arrived in the town of Ely. The young prince fell from the horse and the two men, on orders of Godwin himself, blinded Alfred with a sharp stone they found on the path into the town. Alfred, screaming, blood pouring from his eyes, staggered into the town and was soon helped by some local monks there. A short while later he died and was buried in the town's abbey. He had been destroyed by the trust that he put in Godwin, and Emma, back in London, was furious. Part 2. Edward For four happy years, Harefoot and Godwin ruled England as they wanted. They feasted together, made laws, and travelled the country together, and were always to be found hunting together. This was from 1036 to 1040. Emma had held on to her money. She had, after all, been queen to two different kings, but she no more had any of her power. Her sons had failed her. Arthur Canute seemed never set to return to England. Alfred was dead at the hands of that sly Godwin, and Edward still in Normandy, apparently as scared as his father had been. This happy arrangement for Godwin and Hereford came to an end abruptly when Hereford died quite suddenly in 1040. At this point, Arthur Canute was forced back to England as the clear heir who must now take up his place. Reluctantly, he returned, no longer the blonde boy from Godwin's Hall, but a strong man, the spitting image of his father Canute. Alas, the English people soon discovered, Arthur Canute had none of his father's skill. After only two years of ruling the country, the new king was loathed. He had taxed the people beyond what they could pay. He was ruthless, murderous even. He didn't care for the English people, and his heart was still in Denmark. Then, in 1041, Arthur Canute felt his health failing. He was short of breath, hot, and a weakness had gripped him. In a panic, the king sailed to Normandy to collect the last of Emma's children, Edward. Edward had been notified of Arthur Canute's arrival, but not the ill health of the king, and was shocked to find his companion so faint and powerless. As he set sail back to England on the king's boat, Edward wondered how long it would be until he was fighting for the throne of England himself. Then, under the cover of darkness on the ship's deck, Arthur Canute pulled from the cabin a sparkling, dazzling crown. With just a few sailors to witness, Arthur Canute crowned the new king of England, and Edward promised to God to defend the country until he died. Arthur Canute was dead within a year, and England was in the hands of Ethelred's son, Edward the Confessor. Emma had regained her position in the royal family as mother of the king. <laughs> 